0: This is a podcast of the Church at Indian Lake. Proverbs twelve one, Boy, Proverbs is so rich uh, that even in my personal Bible study sometimes when I read a chapter in Proverbs I almost wish that it, I only had one thought. You know, when you read a whole chapter there can be 20 to 40 Proverbs and, and your mind can't absorb them. And so This is a great opportunity for us today just to take one proverb, which every proverb was meant to stand alone anyway. They're different from other aspects of the Bible. Almost every proverb stands alone. And this one will stand alone. And I believe that in 20 to 25 minutes you can be more wise in your life. Is that not a great thing? And it's not dependent on my ability to communicate. It's dependent on the wisdom that's in the Word of God. So... I want you to be ready because God's going to show us some stuff out of this. these two little phrases today. Proverbs 12.1 says it this way, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we thank You for the wisdom The wisdom, the ancient wisdom that's been passed down to us. And so, Lord, here in the year 2009, let us apply it. And let us not just be hearers of the Word, but let us take what we hear. Let's learn and respond with our lifestyle to Your Word. Help us today. In Jesus' name, we all pray together. Amen. Amen. Rivers are the key to sustaining life. If you think about ancient civilizations from the Yellow River in China to the Nile River in Egypt to the Tiger and Euphrates, Euphrates River in, in the Middle East, all the ancient civilizations were based around rivers. Here, here in Nashville in middle Tennessee, 150 to 200 years ago, our, our community was established on the Cumberland River because rivers provide life. They provide healthy ecosystems. They provide fertile ground for vegetation. And here in the, the modern day that we live in, rivers provide industry and they provide jobs and they provide entertainment. And rivers provide life. Wherever a river is, there's typically life and activity and things happening. That is, unless the river is overflows its banks. When the river doesn't have any boundaries, that which was supposed to bring life brings destruction and brings death. I saw this firsthand in 1993. I was living in Kansas City. I was going to college. And if you remember August of 1993, the Missouri River and the Mississippi River on both sides uh, had record Flooding, this affected the St. Louis area all through Illinois and Missouri, and then also on the West side of Missouri and the Kansas City area and The destruction of that river was amazing. Look at this picture with me, and you 'll see how this river took out a whole highway city a highway system and this was in the Missouri city area and you see the power of this river this same river that provided life and provided community and provided. Uh, jobs and structure to the community. When it when it overreached its banks, it became a destructive destructive force. You can look at some more pictures with me. You can see how farm the, the, this whole community was inundated. And going on, you can see farms that that were totally covered up and crops that were ruined. And this was this flood had a devastating effect on the community. It's the, the first flood like this in at least 150 years. And what made things different at that time was how much population there was. And it affected cities and families and people. Why is it? Because rivers, they bring life until they cross their boundaries. Rivers bring life until they overflow their banks. Today I want to talk to you about discipline. I want to talk to you a little bit about discipline. And here... Is why I mentioned a river. Because discipline, they are our riverbanks. Discipline, it is our boundaries. Without discipline, our life has no clear direction, it has no clear flow, there's no life to it. Without boundaries in our life, without boundaries to direct our life, and without discipline in our life, that which was meant. To be life-giving can become destructive. So, a river only has power if it stays in its banks. So we, we have to be disciplined people. Now, here's the thing about discipline. Discipline means that we're productive in all that we do. And to be truthful, productivity doesn't happen if you just do what is fun all the time. Now, I believe in having fun and enjoying life and having joy. I mean, that is the part of the will of God. But if you only do what is fun all the time and live an undisciplined life, you will not be productive. The truth is this, is success and productivity and accomplishment that happens when people are willing to do what no one else will do. When they're willing to get a task done, when they're willing to get a job done. And there's some things in life that just need to happen. They're not necessarily fun. They're not necessarily intrinsically fulfilling. They're not necessarily um, right in our gifting pattern, you know, but they just need to get done. I, when the nursery, the nursery just needs to get done. I don't know where nursery duty falls under spiritual gifts. Someone could maybe explain, but sometimes. Stuff just needs to get done. Stuff around the church needs to get done. Stuff around the house needs to get done. There's things your boss wants to happen that need to get done. There's things students need to learn at school that just need to happen. And they're not necessarily fun in the moment. They're not necessarily enjoyable. But the fruit of that long term brings great, great things in your life. It helps set boundaries for your life. And that is what discipline is. And that's why God wants us all to be disciplined. Now here's the problem. The problem is, is we have began to identify some people as disciplined and others as not. We've incorrectly labeled other people as disciplined people. And then most of us are undisciplined people. And I just find that premise incorrect. And I want to discuss that. And if you're taking notes, on the back of your bulletin there's an outline to help us organize today. And the first thing I want to, I want to shatter that misconception with this point. Number one, discipline is for everybody. Discipline is for everyone. It's not that just some people, the elite, are disciplined and the rest of us are not. Discipline is for everyone. Now, on a normal sermon for discipline, this is what's supposed to happen right now. I am supposed to give you an illustration. And I'm supposed to give you an example of an Olympic athlete. And I'm going to profile this Olympic athlete as an example of discipline. And she is the one who is at training by 4 a.m. every morning. She's been doing this since she's six years old. She's never had a bite of junk food. She's never stayed up past 10. She is extremely disciplined. And on top of all this discipline, everybody loves her. She's well-liked. And on top of that, she has plenty of time to volunteer for every single charity. This is the example I'm supposed to put in right here. I'm supposed to find this great person. But let me tell you why I didn't look for an example like that this morning. Because I do not find that particularly inspiring to me. Like most of you, I look at my life and and I strive for discipline and and I get in three or four week patterns And I do well, and then I might take two steps forward and a step back. Or if you were to analyze my life, I could come up with a list of things I am disciplined in. But there's other areas that I'm not. But yet when we teach on discipline, we tend to find this top-tier person that is almost like a robot, and we make that person the example of discipline. And the rest of us, peons, we're just going to live this undisciplined life and just you know, we'll just cheer on and watch the rest of the disciplined people on TV. that's not the case. Every single one of us can have discipline in our life. And every single one of us are called to discipline. And we can do that. Now let's just use for example, let's just suppose, and I think we would all agree the number would be much lower than this, but let's just say that a third of the people in the world we would consider disciplined. It, that, that's a fair number, a third of the people in the world. So now I see this room here, and this room is in three sections. All right? Three different sections. And we're going to make this section, because I usually sit in this section, you guys are now the disciplined people over here. All right. This is the disciplined crowd. The rest of you peons over here, you are undisciplined, you're lazy, you're, you're all the things. So just we're going to let these people live life and inspire us. So what happens is, for some of us, we, we look at categories in our life, and I just moved into darkness here, and, and we, we, we look at something in our life, like let's, let's take an example of, of something like spending time with our family. That would be something to be disciplined in. You know, um, However that manifests in your life, whether that's coaching a team or, or spending time with your grandkids or whatever, you, you make arrangements to do that. And, and you sit over here and you feel like a disciplined person. You you arrange your life to be disciplined with spending time. But that's just one area of your life. That's it. All of a sudden, when you start thinking about the time you should be spending with God, you come and you sit over here. You realize that the one-year Bible has had dust on it since March. And that your prayer journals, all those things, that you forgot about it. So you feel undisciplined when it comes to spiritual things. And so you, you're ready to move back over here, but then you also remember your health. And you're not exercising. You're not eating like you should. And so, again, you sit down among the undisciplined. And then you begin to think about your responsibilities. You know, just the simple stuff, like like mowing the yard and organizing your closet and just the stuff that happens because we're human beings and changing the oil in our vehicles and basic responsibility, And you're really not disciplined in that either, so you sit back down over here. And you think about your moral choices and stuff you you decide. And you're not really disciplined as you should with your language, maybe with your entertainment. And so you sit back down among the undisciplined people. Well, here's the problem. Even though you were disciplined in your family time, you begin to identify yourself as an undisciplined person. And so you quit strengthening what you're good at. And you say, well, you know what? When it comes to my family time, I don't spend time. I'm not spiritual. I'm overweight. I'm out of shape. I'm I'm too slothful to clean my house. And, um, you know, the devil's just in control. And and so forget even spending time with my family. I'm just this undisciplined person. You understand where I'm trying to go? Is that we begin to look at discipline as an all-or-nothing task. And we live under this illusion that someday it's going to click and we're going to be completely Discipline, and we're gonna wake up at four in the morning and we're gonna jog and spend time with God, drink carrot juice, and read the newspaper all at the same time. And can I just tell you, it's not gonna happen that way. And it's impossible to be completely disciplined in every area of our lives. I mean, let's go back to the Olympic analogy. I mean, we were all mesmerized by Michael Phelps. I mean, his discipline, I read about his regiment and what he ate and what he did. But in recent days, we find out that in his personal life, he's not disciplined in some moral issues. And I'm not picking on Michael, but I'm saying he is like all of us. None of us are completely disciplined in every area, but we all can take a step. So don't categorize yourself and say... These elite people over here are disciplined and not me. I'm just this lazy, no good person. That's not true. Let me make you a promise. Monday morning, when your alarm clock goes off, you will not be perfectly disciplined in every area of your life just because you heard this sermon. But on Monday morning, you can take one step and you can make one decision and you can do one thing that helps improve your life because God says disciplines for every one of you. God says, he who loves discipline loves knowledge. When Beth and I first got married, we lived for about nine months out in the country. We lived on a family farm down in Texas, and it was a great blessing to live there, but part of the blessing is I learned a very valuable lesson as a young man. And the lesson was this. I do not belong on a farm whatsoever. In fact, if I could... Go back and live that experience again. I would get cameras to follow me along because I could have made millions as a reality show. Uh, Preacher in the country. I mean, the thing just did not work out. I'm under no illusion that someday I'm going to have property on the outskirts of town. No, I'm moving from my track home to a condo because the maintenance skills just weren't there. One day, uh, Beth, I was getting ready to leave. She was pregnant with our first first child, and we only had one car at the time, and I'm getting ready to leave for the day and leave her abandoned on that farm, and she would love to share that story with you because she's still working through that whole period. And she looked out the window, and she did only, if you know Beth Allison, only she could do this. She just let out a gasp that stopped the world, because when Beth, gets, when something shocks her, she kind of goes, <gasps> And time stands still for a moment. I mean, the world freezes with this gas she gives. And, and it, can be, um, it can be alarming at times. And after you know 11 years of marriage, you'd think I'd be used to it. But I'm not any more used to it today as I was 10 years ago. Uh, but she opens the window. And by the way, I asked her permission to give that illustration this morning. She opened the window and she gasped. And she said, Aaron, our front yard is full of cows. So... Opened the door and, you know, didn't know if she was exaggerating. Sure enough, there was a herd of cows in my front lawn. Creatures and beasts, two thousand pounds or a thousand pounds plus, just grazing in our front yard. So I did what every brave, powerful twenty four year old man would do. I picked up the phone and I called the lady next door. <laughs> and she came and herded the cows back where they needed to go, and I felt very humbled and humiliated, and farm life wasn't for me. I learned a valuable lesson that morning, and the lesson was this, is cows need fences, and they need gates to be closed. And cows are that way. I mean, they just kind of wander. They don't have boundaries. If they don't have fences, they'll just wander off. They stay together, but they wander off together. And this leads me to the second part of the Scripture, because the second part of, of Proverbs 12, one says, He who hates correction is stupid. And I want you to write this down at n- number 2. To hate correction means you're stupid like a cow. You're stupid like a cow. Now, I don't want to insult all you cow lovers out there. Um, and just to let you know, the word stupid is like the most brutal cuss word in my home. Uh, because we decided we didn't want little children who are brats saying, like, that's stupid or that's stupid. So when the word stupid is spoken in my home, it's like, I mean, it is just major scandal. So to even say this, is, I'm a little uncomfortable here today, but this is what the Scripture says. It says, he who hates correction is stupid. And the Hebrew word for that literally means stupid like a cow. He who hates correction is stupid like a cow. And I have listed in your bulletin some other references. The strongest one is Job 18.3 where he says, Why are we regarded as cattle and considered stupid in your sight? So there's this connection between in the Hebrew mind between a cow who wanders away, who just kind of follows the herd. And that cow needs fences and needs boundaries in their life. And for us, we need boundaries. We need fences. We need gates that are closed. Because if not, if we don't realize the value of boundaries in our lives, we're as stupid as a cow. We're going to wander off aimlessly. So in our marriage, we have boundaries. And those those marriage boundaries keep us faithful. They keep us where we should be. In business ethics, business ethics... We have boundaries. We have rules. And we don't cross those. We stay pinned in. And in the spiritual life, we are in the will of God. And there's something called the Bible. And there's something called scriptural teaching that is our boundaries. And it fences us in. And it keeps us from sin. And it's very easy to be immature and to not want restriction and not want boundaries and to not want to feel pinned in by all these rules. Who made up these rules anyway? Can I tell you, God made up these rules. And God imposed His discipline on us because He loves us. Think about a two-year-old child. two-year-old child doesn't like to be disciplined by his parents. He doesn't like rules. She doesn't like restrictions. But the parent imposes discipline on the child because if the parent doesn't... Pose discipline, that child will never learn self-discipline. And so it is with us. God, through His wall and through His Word and through the boundaries, have put fences around us that keep us from making stupid decisions. And immaturity says, I don't want those in my life. I don't want restrictions. I don't want rules. I want to just be like a river. Just kind of flow wherever I feel like flowing. Just kind of going with the flow wherever I want to go. No boundaries, no rules, no structure in my life. If that's you, your life is headed towards destruction. If that's you, if you're not able to see God's Word and see God's ways and impose discipline in your life, that very thing that God has put in your life to bless you will be the thing that destroys you unless you submit to discipline and let Him give direction to your life. And let Him set the boundaries for you. He wants to do that. The other day I was in Home Depot and Beth and I uh, took something to, to Home Depot. It's a term I've never heard called a bunkie board. I'm just curious. I want to poll this. Anyone know what a bunkie board is? See, you're the only one that knew. No, I'm just joking. I saw five or six more hands. Um, a bunkie board is a piece of wood that you put underneath a bed that helps secure the child or whoever's sleeping. So we, we had a miss-sized bunkie board. We went to Home Depot, and uh, I carried the piece of wood in victoriously, and, and I come up to this man, and I said, "Will you cut the piece of bunkie board for me? And he kind of, with attention, just grabbed the bunkie board, and he just kind of took off down the aisle, and I, so we just followed him, didn't say anything to us, and he 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 took the board and he cut it and he cut precision and he handed it to us proudly and just, just was efficient and had precision. And I kind of liked the whole deal. And as we walked off, Beth said, military guy. I mean, she pegged him. And it's not hard to peg a military person because a military person, they have discipline in their life. They love order, they respect authority, and they work hard. You know, and that's one of the things I, I respect so much are... Military men. That's why our compassion ministry is under under Pastor Kim Driver. In two weeks after church, we're going to go serve a meal at the Sumner County's Veterans Home. And if you want to participate, there's a sign up for you to do that. We're going to honor these men. I never served in the military. And there's a small part of me that wishes I did because I have noticed something about those who have served in the military. They love discipline. And it affects their whole life. I want you to write down this last point. Number three. When you love discipline, you accumulate knowledge. As you love discipline, you accumulate knowledge. That's what the Proverbs says. Look again at the end of Proverbs 12.1. says this, or the whole Scripture again says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. When, as you love discipline... You will accumulate knowledge in your life. You know, there is no price on a peace of mind. When you have a peace of mind, it is priceless. And I think about that. I think about Sunday mornings. You know, Sunday mornings, I don't wonder whether we're going to have a successful service. I never wake up on a Sunday morning and say, I wonder if today's going to be good or not. Because with our team, we have planned we have prayed. We've prepared. It's going to be a good day. We don't just show up on Sunday morning in the worship team, oh, we didn't want to sing today. Let's get off the files. You know, let's sing this song and I'm not scratching my head at 9.30. I wonder what I should preach today and I hope people show up for the nursery. No, no, no. We plan ahead. We plan in advance. And then we analyze in our team. We talk about every little aspect of this service in this day. And And I don't say that. I mean, to say that we've reached some kind of level of, of achievement. I mean, we have a long ways to go, but I, I don't. I don't wonder in the morning whether we're going to have a successful service. You know why? Because discipline has produced a knowledge, a knowledge in me that today it's going to be a good day because we're ready, we're prepared. Remember when you were in school, and I hope for some of our students who are here that you experienced this. Those times that you study, those times that you prepare, those times when you're disciplined, you come and you enter and you're ready to take a test. And it's not stressful. There's no anxiety because it's like, bring it on. I'm ready for this test because discipline has produced knowledge in your life. You've accumulated knowledge. For those of you who speak a foreign language, I wish I did. I don't speak a foreign language. You, You have learned words and phrases and you've disciplined yourself. And now when you hear a language that others around you don't know, you have a knowledge of it. For those of you who save your money and you have a savings account and you have a retirement account, you have knowledge of an amount of money. And we know we don't trust in money and we trust in the name of the Lord, but there's a certain peace when you follow God's ways and you've been disciplined with your money. And there's a knowledge of this, this, this dollar amount that through the blessing of God you've accumulated. Taking heredity out of the, uh, the picture here, For those of you who are healthy and you have knowledge of a good blood pressure score and good blood sugar numbers and good cholesterol numbers, you've disciplined yourself. That knowledge brings peace to your life because you've disciplined your body. You know, the most important thing for all of us, when we think about our children and our grandchildren, some of you who maybe don't even have children or grandchildren yet, but there's a great peace knowing that your kids are serving God and that loving God. And while we can't, we can't make our kids serve God, what we can do is we can be faithful to church, and we can live by godly principles, and that discipline of taking our children to church, and that discipline of having a spiritual environment in our home, and that discipline of putting God first as an example brings us the knowledge that our children are going to know the Lord. And there's great, great peace in that because discipline produces knowledge in your life. Today I'm going to ask ask for Penny and Alan to make their way up here. And There's two things I want to be accomplished today. I believe that as we move to decision time, as you have a chance to respond to this message today, there's two distinct things I believe God has put in my heart about today's message. The first thing is this, is I want all of us to change our attitude towards discipline. Discipline is not a thief. Discipline is not a restriction. Discipline is an opportunity To grow. Discipline is the will of God for you. Discipline is the boundaries that keep your life in the direction it needs to go. Discipline keeps you from... It causes you to produce life instead of destruction. So the first thing I want us to do, every single one of us, because this message is for every single one of us, is I want us to change our mind towards discipline. You know what? You are not to compare yourself to somebody else. We compare ourselves, what we know about ourselves to what we don't know about other people. So let's just forget the game of oh this person's discipline and this person's that and instead just say, God, what about me? I'm called to be disciplined. Every single one of us are. So the first thing I want you to do is I want you to change your attitude and, and repent. You know, we talked about what repentance means. Repentance means a change of mind, changing your decision. And maybe some of us need to repent on our bad attitude towards discipline. The second thing I want you to do In this time of reflection, before before we even call the prayer team down, because I know those in the prayer team, this message applies to them. It applies to every single person, including myself, is I want you to ask the Lord for one step this week. One step to increase discipline in your life. You know, the greatest thing in all of us in our time with the Lord. And spending time with him and getting to read the Bible and to pray. I know all of us could do better than that. But maybe it's something else. I don't want to just just talk about that one category. Maybe it's with your spending habits. Maybe you're not taking time to listen to that child in your life. To look them in the eye and to hear about their day. Maybe your home is in disorder. And it's the will of God just for you to practice a discipline and something as simple as, as washing the dishes every night before you go to bed. I don't know. I'm just giving you suggestions. None of these things I've mentioned here in the last last 40 seconds are are from the Lord. I'm just creating the opportunity that you would look beyond. You wouldn't wouldn't look at the whole forest, but you'd look at the tree here and say, I can take one step. I can do one thing to be more disciplined. So we're going to have a time of reflection. We're not going to sing at this time. But I want you to spend some time sitting right where you're at to ask the Lord two things. One, Lord, help me repent on my attitude towards discipline. And two, what is one step I can make today? If you're taking notes, you might want to write that step down in your bulletin. You don't have to, but that might be a great thing for you to do. Write that down, and let's allow the Spirit to speak to us individually in the next couple of minutes, and I'll come back in a second with further instruction. I just want to share with you what the Lord spoke to me. And I don't do this. I do this just as a, just a model and just to help help bring direction. You know, one thing, I sat down and said, Lord, what are you speaking to me right now? But the Lord said, Aaron, you need to pray with your children more. See, I talk to my children about God and we pray before the meals. But this week, I'm going to make a commitment this week that I'm going to try to, for the next five days, every day to pray with my kids specifically. And that's what God has spoken to me. So I know he's speaking to many of you. As you're still reflecting, um, Beth shared something really good with me that I asked her if she would share that with you. So on number six here, she's just going to give an addendum to this teaching this morning. Um,
1: It was was when Aaron was talking about, um, he came back to the analogy of the river, and he said... um, just kind of offhandedly, maybe you're like a river that just likes to flow, and you know, just kind of go wherever you please. And it occurred to me um, that you know we can apply this this um, act of discipline to ourselves because it, it benefits us when we are disciplined. But we don't take into account that just like a river, maybe we're just flowing wherever we want to go. If we have a lack of discipline in our lives, it doesn't just affect ourselves. If we overflow our own banks because we're not careful, we will destroy the people around us. Wow. So it doesn't just apply to us. It's not just like, oh, you know, if I'm not disciplined, it's just me. It's, it's those around you too. And perhaps for me, that makes me want to... Be a little more disciplined. That's good. Would you stand with me? That's good, Beth.
0: I sense grace is here. God's grace covers our mistakes, but it propels us forward. And wisdom teaches us from our mistakes how to respond better the second time, the third time, the sixth, the seventh. I want our prayer team to come forward. This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.